Hello and welcome to the penultimate episode in this, the inaugural season of the Total Experience podcast from Tribal London, a podcast about brand experience, what it is, how it works, and how we can all do it better. My name is Richard Cable and I'm head of content here at Tribal. Over the course of this season, we've been looking at how the coronavirus pandemic has reshaped the work that we do, the brands that we do it for, and of course, the people who buy those brands. Thanks for joining us and stay tuned for our lockdown easing season two. This episode, we're staying in for a cheeky Mackie D's. I'm joined by the excellent duo of George Strakov and Steve Griffiths of DDB, one of the world's most decorated advertising agencies, to talk about how you create a coherent brand experience for McDonald's, the world's largest restaurant chain by revenue, and how that experience adapts to a world where many of those restaurants have been shut down for weeks on end by a global pandemic. My name is George Strakov. I'm the head of strategy for Europe, Middle East, Africa for DDB, uh, and also the planner on the global McDonald's team overseeing 40 markets. I'm Steve Griffiths, the chief digital officer for DDB Europe, and I also have a role for uh, McDonald's. I'm the chief innovation officer working as part of the global team and a teammate of George. From what I understand, there's kind of two interesting things, I think, to talk about in relation to McDonald's. One is that obviously you've got this overhaul of brand experience that you're looking at. It'd be really interesting to hear about that. And the other one is obviously how you respond to a global pandemic that has certainly disrupted business to an enormous degree. I mean, maybe if we just start with a little bit of context around the sort of work you do for McDonald's. Well, I, I, I think a good place to start is always by understanding the, the client business before we go into what we do for them. McDonald's is, is, is a very dynamic and very complex business. First of all, you have the product, and the product of it is not really the, the just the burger and, and the fries and whatever else. Uh, the product is actually the, the experience that you get. To a large degree, the product is actually adaptive to the environment in which it is served. You have in many places in Asia and, and in, in Southern Europe as well, uh, for example, dessert kiosks contributing a significant portion um, of the business. Um, you have markets where drive-through as a method of delivery and, and empowering experience um, uh, contributes over 70% of the business and others where it's actually, you know, Macafe doing, doing the lion's share. Um, the diversity of the experience that you serve uh, is is critical to try and understand the 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 challenges that this business actually goes through. Uh, because if you're if the majority of your business uh, is effectively delivering the, the 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 emotional and physical recharge for the travelers along the roads, which may happen to come in the form of burger or something else if they prefer something else, the first idea is we need to understand that what McDonald's delivers is actually much more than what you think it does and the breadth of, of possibility there depending on geography, situation, method of delivery is, is quite big. The second thing beyond the product, you think about the, the, the touch points. Um, again, your mind naturally goes to the restaurant itself. Maybe in COVID more people you know think about delivery as well. But there are actually lots and lots of methods of getting that experience. And then, then you have the geographical diversity, the menu diversity, the, the segment diversity. McDonald's is quite unique in a way that it caters to a really wide uh, variety of people with very different media behaviors and very different actual behaviors from you know, the families with, with, the, with the three-year-olds all the way up to seniors. Um, I remember when, when working in Hong Kong, a huge portion of our breakfast business, for example, came 
after 10 o'clock and you could you could walk into any McDonald's store in, in Hong Kong and see the social role that it was playing because it was the place where seniors could actually hang out and have their newspaper and, and their McMuffin. And it was air-conditioned space, which is obviously important in Hong Kong, which is public and safe and, and nice and good value for the seniors. So you can think about the breadth of the, of the population. And I can go on and on, on on the dimensionality of this business, couple that with the fact that it's m- measured on a daily basis. So the primary measure of McDonald's business is uh, uh, guest counts and sales, and those are measured on a daily basis against uh, numbers for last year and things like that. And when you think about the speed of the feedback loop that that provides, right, and and also your advertising works in a lot of ways, and your promotion works directly. Oftentimes you have the uh, direct response within 15 minutes of actually doing something. And so couple couple the breadth of the experiences with with the speed of your feedback loop and you end up in a in a wonderfully intricate mess that that, that you, you have to constantly optimize to get uh, to get to the to the best results. So that's just a little context for the McDonald's business. Now where we play a role is is also uh, complex because it comes on a, on on a number of different levels. Traditionally we've engaged with them from the 1970s. Um, as the as the advertising people, uh, you know, coming up with with the big concepts, uh, starting with things like uh, she deserves a break today, and you know, uh, all all the way all the way up to coming up with I'm loving it and and many other things. But the 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 scope of that has radically extended over the years. First, into the strategic partnership. In in many of our markets, we provide business planning services, effectively helping them think about the calendar all the way through. Think about the initiatives. Think about the KPIs. Uh, uh, think about the menu, and all the way down to the to the tactical side of marketing, uh, helping them manage and run um, their sort of activation machines, including the apps and, and the real-time advertising in, in many ways. And this varies quite significantly market to market because we have local relationships with them in every market, not a single global relationship and, and not a single global scope. One of the areas, I suppose, that McDonald's has begun to work much more aggressively on in the last sort of five, six years, and this was under the under the watch of Steve Easterbrook. So Steve Easterbrook was the CEO uh, UK. He had spearheaded this uh, whole area of digital transformation. So focusing on things like convenience. So convenience is a huge topic for McDonald's from a customer point of view, but also from a uh, efficiency perspective. So one of the metrics that they talk about is how quickly they can get people through the, um, through the drive-through and also how quickly they can, uh, how accurate they can be with those orders. So things like order, order inaccuracy is a huge issue. Uh, but also just in terms of seconds. So they've got these kind of metrics that if they can shave seconds off that, then that will make a massive difference. I mean, they serve 80 million customers a day. So it's a huge, huge business. And so the use of technology uh, and the um, the development of kind of processes, and McDonald's has always been a very heavily process-driven company. The optimization of that is really, really important. So from a kind of supply chain perspective, the transformation of the business and the use of uh, digital technologies has been crucial. And then if you think about from a customer perspective, uh, you know, the inter- introduction of the, um, the kiosks in the restaurants has made a huge difference because uh, people don't necessarily like to order at the counter. In the US, they tend to, but in, in uh, Europe, and especially in the UK, they don't. So they'll use the kiosks. 
And then what you find with people using the kiosk is that the average order uh, value goes up because it's more of a considered choice. You know, people don't get to the front of the counter and start to panic. So you, you end up with all these kind of different touch points and then the um, connection of those different touch points. So one of the um, kind of big things that you've obviously seen in, in a McDonald's is the behind the counter is the other menus. And now they're putting in place digital menu boards, which allow us to be much more uh, insightful in terms of the message that we're giving at a specific time of the day. But then if we start to think about how do we connect all those different touch points so that from a customer point of view, once I start to come into the restaurant or I go through the drive-through, then we can start to influence that um, customer journey. And they've made a couple of big acquisitions in the last uh, 12 months. One is a company called Dynamic Yield, um, who is a uh, software um, provider. They use artificial intelligence and machine learning to uh, effectively work out what the next best offer um, should be. And they've primarily focused that on drive-through. So when somebody comes into drive-through, the, the principle is they recognize you or they recognize the car, and then they're able to deliver the appropriate message on the screen that they see in front of you, which is dependent upon purchases that you've made in the past. Those upgrades of those touch points to connect them, to make them more intelligent is, is, is having a huge impact on their business. And so... You know, they've started to develop things like the mobile app and they've turned it from something which was just a way to deliver information to delivering offers. So another way of driving people into the restaurant to doing things like uh, payment. So mobile order and payment, allowing people to, to order and, and to pay through the app. And then obviously that then results in a lot of data that's captured about customers. And once we can start to harness that data, um, there's all sorts of opportunity for us. Um, so they've begun to get uh, to grips with uh, things like, you know, preference data. So what products do I buy and therefore what should they recommend? Uh, but now also adding in transactional data. So exactly what I've bought um, and that that profile becomes richer and richer. And they are now also introducing into some markets loyalty, uh, which is where we start to get longitudinal data. So this, this profile of our customers becomes richer and richer. And that is an area that we have begun to um, service them more extensively on. So three out of the top six markets, so that would be France, Germany, Canada. Um, we support them with uh, all their data-driven marketing to a degree with their analytics, um, but also then beginning to think about what's the experience that we're delivering into those touch points. Now, one of the interesting things that they've done as an organization, which is kind of the same as most big companies, is they've had the usual suspects in there. People like McKinsey and um, Capgemini and people like Sapient, uh, who are building out these individual experiences. Um, but uh, what they're not necessarily thinking about is uh, what, how does the brand become part of each of those experiences? Nobody's really thinking about how they work together. Um, and nobody's really kind of connecting the IT bit and the marketing bit. And so that's kind of where we start to come in. And, and one of the significant areas that we believe is this whole area of, of brand experience. So, um, you know, we're all trying to kind of, and I say all the other QSRs, the quick service restaurants in the category, are all trying to create, use technology to create this optimal experience for the customer. Well, McDonald's has invested heavily in its brand. I mean, obviously, 
uh, and the delivery of that brand experience and that brand promise into those touch points that's really our sweet spot and so that's the area that we are that we are focusing on at the moment in terms of QSR, that's probably the industry where that understanding of the value of every touchpoint seems to be keenest and seems to be most closely related to actual money. I mean, first of all, would you agree with that? And secondly, do you think there are things that other industries could learn from this? Generally speaking, yes, I would agree with the with the assessment with one important caveat, which I think is, is relevant for the whole industry and, and possibly for others as well. The caveat being there is an implicit incentive for you to look only at the short-term effect of your optimization. A very specific example of that would be, let's say you're designing a kiosk experience, right, at McDonald's. Your uh, incentive as a designer is to put in quite a lot of, of upselling steps and through that maximize the average check per one interaction, which is going to do the job in terms of optimizing the average check per one interaction. However, uh, uh, considering that McDonald's is a guest count driven business and you really get your, your fundamental value out of the out of the long-term relationship with the client, actually extending generations. Um, if, if they lose a generation now, which is a really important concern for them, they realize that then it, it's going you know, 20 years later or 30 years later, it's going to bite them back. The problem is you've optimized for the, for the highest average check in one transaction, but you've actually frustrated the hell out of a person uh, uh, who was just trying to get a coffee. And 14 clicks, clicks to get to a coffee in the morning is just not what I want and has nothing to do with the with the delicious feel-good experience that McDonald's is promising. Um, and so this is the problem. This is, this is the trade-off that unfortunately n- neither McDonald's nor its competitors nor anybody else from what I see manages to get quite right, which is at what point can I deliver, you know, the best experience and the best value for both the business and the customer, both in the short term and the long term. You you have multiple uh, variables to optimize for as a designer of experience. And I'm just, I'm just focusing on this one little example. You can do the same exercise for all of them. Um, even in the short term basis, your, your variables are complex and difficult. Uh, but what happens is people people focus on those and people forget about the long term value of a feel good moment that you could have delivered through a digital touch point. Um, and, and, and if you don't measure it, as we all know, we don't, you know, you don't manage it. Um, and if you don't manage it, then it's not going to happen. And, and I think this is some of the difficulty. In a certain way, it's parallel to the problem that, that advertising in general has been going through, which is it's much easier to justify your investment in activation-driven media and much less easy to justify your investment in long-term brand-building media. So like brand experience isn't a linear thing. It doesn't just go in one direction. The march of time doesn't just take you logically to a final conclusion. You have to be constantly adaptable to circumstance. And I guess that kind of leads us neatly onto the COVID experience because this has come out of left field, a huge disruptive event that has massively impacted virtually every business. And there, there are very few players who come out of this kind of on top. And it's interesting to know how... A business like McDonald's, which is very responsive, has responded to this particular challenge. I mean, in many in many markets for the last two months, I mean, in the UK is a good example. You know, the business has been closed, so the business only opened up again two weeks ago with fifteen drive-through uh, restaurants, 
now they've extended that to I think 39 drive-through restaurants. Um, in the coming weeks, they'll start to open up restaurants themselves, um, um, but with uh, social distancing in place. They've been very cautious, I would say. And if you if you look at some of the work that they've done in markets like Hong Kong, uh, where the restaurants did stay open, you know, they were really focusing on the uh, the message that um, you know the restaurants are clean and safe. And the majority of work they did in the beginning was focused on the crew and was making sure that uh, you know the crew were were safe and the crew um, practiced you know um, safe practices and. And that's the thing that, that McDonald's talked a lot about instead of focusing on, you know, driving people into, into restaurants. You know, they really do focus heavily on the kind of foundational elements of the, uh, of the business. You know, they were really concerned in some markets and you see it to a degree with in the US where you have restaurants that have reopened and then you have cases of COVID breaking out with staff. Those restaurants then, then having to be closed down McDonald's generally is afraid in, in markets that, you know, if that happens too much, the government will close them down for an extended period of time. So they are incredibly uh, cautious. So first of all, I think what Steve said, McDonald's has always been about the basics and people need the basics more than ever. I mean, actually, the key thing that McDonald's has built on is what they call QSC, uh, Quality Service Cleanliness. And if you look, these are the basic promises that they give to people. And I think that the desire for those promises uh, is is only going up. And then on top of that, there is the feeling of a delicious feel-good moment. Uh, there is the brand that promises essentially what they call a bubble of happy in the middle of the of, of the stress. Uh, and, and, you know, who of us have not had that uh, at least once uh, in their lifetime when, when the Golden Arches felt like the, the, the promised land? If, if you think about those two foundations, which is the QSC in terms of the method of production principle, right? The fact that, I mean, if you think about that, we probably produce 50 million Big Macs, maybe 40 a day, okay, globally. And they're not exactly the same, but pretty close to that. If if you think about the 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 making that happen for like God knows how many years, every day, the the precision of that system, uh, from suppliers to the owner operators, uh, to the crew, to the training, to the procedures, and doing that at speed as well, is incredible. And so you take that foundation, and then you take the other foundation, which is the promise of a feel-good moment and an escape and a bubble of happy, which is, you know, people are people are going to need that. Everything else for me is is a question of uh, logistics, right? Probably a lot more restaurants will, will start building a lot more dark restaurants, as they call them, and they have already started that, which is just the kitchen. And then it, it, it only operates as a delivery hub. Probably there, there's going to be a re a shift in terms of the real estate part of the part of the business to to make sure that there is more capacity for drive through and things like that and you know less less of a seating space probably there is going to be a readjustment in terms of the menu uh, and sort of thinking about uh, the ways of delivering that but at the end of the day those are all tactics and logistics to make sure that people get both the QSC 
and the bubble of happy delivered, and the need for both is going to increase quite significantly. Um, and I'm, I'm, I feel quite confident in predicting that. And the logistics will have to shift as they have been shifting all along, probably a little faster, probably a little, you know, a little uh, more radically. But the, those are all just methods of bringing that to the people or making sure that the people can get that. One of the examples from um, India is that, uh, and back to that point around uh, quality and uh, cleanliness, in India where, you know, McDonald's really is sticking to the government advice and it's a safe place to eat. And so over the last few weeks, um, you know, their business has benefited versus the kind of small street vendors where they're not necessarily sticking to the guidelines. People are um, going in preference to McDonald's. And I think that that, that sort of um, approach will, will put them in a really, really strong position. Basically, you know, you have the, the, the perception of turmoil increases the uh, basic psychological need for finding those anchors in your reality that you can, that you can still hang your personality on. That need is going to go up. That's a, that's a very basic psychological phenomenon. And McDonald's has the, simply by sticking around for so long, if nothing else. Uh, yes, there, there are lots of other things, but simply by sticking around for so long, uh, it has it has the benefit of of being one of those things, if we don't screw it up. And and what I really worry about is that actually we screw up the next generation. This is what I really worry about. One of the really important trends that that we don't have that much of a good response for, I would say, is actually the kids' uh, sort of content relationship. You know, a lot of those a lot of those long term relationships that we're benefiting from now were formed by the birthday parties and the happy meal and the toy that came in the happy meal and the experience of sitting around the table with your with your folks and you know and like the plastic toys in the happy meal are just not that interesting anymore to lots of people. Um, not to mention the fact that together time around the around the McDonald's food is not exactly does not exactly feel the same as it used to feel whether whether the screens have have interjected or whether the fact that it's actually being consumed at home and therefore everybody is slightly you know not in the same place even even if physically in the same place and mentally not and so I think that's where the real challenge comes in because we haven't quite figured out a way yet to match the brand with the next generation in a deep way and that's a big challenge thinking you know 30 40 years out in terms of innovation in your brand experience where does the innovation come from because i know that in terms of menu for example innovations that come from the franchisees have been traditionally been enormously successful because they're at the sharp end of the wedge um, and they're seeing what people are eating, I guess. And it's just, just interesting to know where do you look to for those, those innovations in brand experience which change how people enjoy McDonald's? And I think you, you pointed a really interesting gap there, uh, right, of the, the locus of initiative and entrepreneurship versus the locus of innovation. If you're thinking about a product, you know, you have the ingredients, you put them, you put them around in a different way and you're selling a new thing. And, and there you go. Other, other franchisees in, in, in the conferences hear about this product being successful and then off you go. Right. So, so that's a, that's a kind of a bazaar rather than a cathedral model of, of innovation spreading. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen with, with uh, tech mediated brand experiences. That doesn't happen for two reasons. One is corporate IT is is controlling things quite tightly so even if there was initiative at the local level to sort of 
change things, it would have been quite difficult for them. But but second, they are fundamentally uh, entrepreneurs of the restaurant type. They're they're excited about food and and new things and bring making it faster and all of that. They're not really people who would go in and hack their own kiosk systems. And and there is a there is a huge gap which uh, sometimes gets bridged growing from a small piece that was really easy to approve for everybody, like a tactical promotion and then naturally growing into a larger experience. There is a realization at, at, at a few levels of the organization that, that there is this gap. And, and in certain places in, in France, most notably, there is a very, 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 very advanced movement towards bringing that power back to the franchisees. Um, so, so we are pretty close to to the world, not quite there, but pretty close to the world where the franchisee or the or the actually actually the restaurant manager at the time has the capacity to, if not to innovate, then at least to activate and to work with the brand experience in real time. Seeing that more people here or the rain is outside or whatnot, they would be able to go and, and use the marketing machine effectively in the local geofenced way to activate the right people at the right time and hopefully also bring the bring the experience along. But this is a this this is this is not a rule. This is the exception. And the general gap between the locus of control and uh, locus of entrepreneurship and locus of innovation is there and, and it's really hard to solve. That's it for this episode of the Total Experience podcast from Tribal London. We hope it was a worthy addition to your bubble of happy and we'd love to hear your ideas for season two. So please feel free to get in touch and of course, like, share, subscribe and rate us in your favorite podcasting app. I've been Richard Cable. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and stay safe.